0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Our Foundations podcast. My name is Joshua. I am your host. And today's episode will be the next presentation from AgoraFest 2023 in Chattanooga, Tennessee. This presentation was from Michelle Renault, who is a chapter leader in the local Weston A. Price Foundation chapter for Chattanooga. And she is going to talk all about natural health and various health related issues, as well as natural diets and give the uh, general opinion of the Weston A. Price Foundation about uh, the types of foods that people should be eating, and why, and things that are good, things that are bad, things to look out for, all of these kinds of things, the importance of gut health, all of these things. So that's what this episode will cover. It'll get into a lot of different things related to natural health as a whole. It's very good uh, presentation, and the audio quality is much better than the past few. So yes, we are finally beyond that. It's uh, still not the same as a normal podcast episode would be that I do, but... It is very easy to understand and to hear, and this should be a big improvement. We've got this episode and then a following episode after this that will come out, I guess, two weeks from now, and that one will be the final one. Then we'll get back into the normal uh, way of things for season five, get back into commentary, Sermon on the Mount, all of that good stuff. So without further ado, here is Michelle Renault from Agora Fest 2023. Okay,
1: can you hear me? My name is Michelle Leno. I, like many of you, have also uh, started homesteading. setting. Thankfully, we got a head start about uh, 12, maybe 11 or 12 years ago. Um, but we're actually getting ready to start over, so I'm having anxiety, just listening to all the things that we're going to have to start over with. But um, I, uh, we went to Chattanooga almost 15 years ago. I have five children. They range in ages from 4 to 13. Um, and I have a wonderful husband who uh, supports us in a way that allows me to stay home with my kids, allows me to do all these crazy homesteading pictures and things that uh, make people, for my city life, I would say, I think I'm being crazy for. But um, I'm here today representing the Leslie Price Foundation. If you are not unfamiliar with them, they are a nutrition education foundation. They're an international uh, foundation, actually, that uh, is housed in DC but has chapters all across the world. And their purpose is um, solely to disseminate the work of Dr. Leslie Price. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about them. <laughs> Uh, it's no secret, if you look around uh, the community, uh, your churches, uh, schools, that the health of people, both children, uh, teenagers, and adults, especially our older white, has changed. I remember hearing stories about my great-grandparents living until they were 90, uh, functioning normally, gardening, working, up until the last week that they were living. But right now, we have a serious problem where the aging population in nursing homes, while the average is 81, 20% of the population is under the age of 65 years old. So we're experiencing a significant cognitive decline, as well as the quality of life. And the West Space Foundation would say that one very large reason for this is the, the uh, move away from the wisdom of our ancestors and the way that they chose food and the way they prepared food it would be the reason for this decline. So, Uh, If I could break it down even more simpler, it's just that our high-paced life that we live today prioritizes convenience over quality, and that means we tend to eat dead, over-processed food with absolutely no health benefits. So, the Weston A. Price Foundation has 11 healthy diet recommendations, which I'm going to tell you about briefly today, and invite you to join us to continue to learn more. Dr. Price was a dentist who lived in the early 1900s. I think he passed away in 1945. But early in his practice, he recognized that his patients were coming in with more and more dental habits, and he thought, this was very strange. But during the same time is when we saw the industrialization of food. And so Dr. Price had a hypothesis, which you could probably guess, he thought it had something to do with the food. So, what he did is he traveled the world and he visit, visited non industrial people groups such as the, the Maasai tribe in Africa, the Aborigines in um, Australia, the, there are some rural villagers in the Swiss South Mountain. And when he uh, visited them, he noticed that they all they had perfect dental health, but yet no one wanted a toothbrush and no one heard a pressed toothpaste. They also did not have crooked teeth. And they had overall, their general health was also. They they had a great health overall. they didn't experience some of the things that that he was seeing in the United States. So Dr. Urban Price took pictures of these, uh, documented in his book called Nutrition and Physical Degeneration. And I want to go over uh, with you the healthy diet principles that the Westman Price advocates for in order to uh, capture and regain the health that our ancestors um, had. Okay, two of these um, rec- I, the eight recommendations I'm going to make today, I believe, are the most important. And the first one is the one that I'm going to talk to, talk about first, and it's that we would just avoid um, refined and dehydrated foods. This includes anything from high fructose corn syrup to anything with synthetic vitamins, um, white sugar, white flour, and dehydrated milk. So. If you're familiar with raw milk in any form of fashion, Weston Price is probably the foundation that brought this information to you in some form or fashion, whether it's was your farmer or friend. Uh, Dr. Price was a huge advocate of raw milk as being uh, almost the uh, source of the vitality of a lot of these traditional people groups. This was the one thing they had kind in of common across the board. Cashmere milk is literally a dead food. They have to add synthetic vitamins back into it. They'll stay on the label vitamin A and B added, because everything good about milk is killed during the pasteurization process. Most people don't know that raw milk can contain iodine, vitamin C, and trace minerals of many other, <laughs> other uh, minerals that we don't can't get from it because it's been pasteurized. So if they really want the white gold, we've got to go for the raw milk. The second thing that Dr. Price found in all people, traditional people groups, is they all ate meat. There are components of meat, and the vitamins, that you cannot get from other sources, despite what other people might tell you. And what he found among these people groups is not only did they eat the muscle meat, which is what we are most familiar with, but they also consume the organs, the fat, and the bones. And the bones were consumed by making a rich gelatinous bone broth, which absorbed all the minerals out of the bones into the broth. And people use that broth to make soups and stews and gravies and sauces, and this is probably one of the more prized elements of meat the, the byproduct on of the animal than just the muscle meat. of fermented foods would be the next item we found among non-traditional people groups. They, it would be a few or drink or sometimes both. You might be the most familiar with this term, I said probiotics. A lot of people pay a lot of money for probiotics, but you can actually make them at home for pennies um, and consume them in very small amounts. Uh, what's recommended is one tablespoon per meal for fermented food. The most common one you're probably is sauerkraut, not the ones that are purchased in a, uh, the middle aisles of the grocery store, but you might find them in these little boutique aisles uh, because it's become a popular item nowadays with um, other fermented food products that are now available, at kimchi, which is the Asian version of sauerkraut. Latin Americans have cortito, which is actually my favorite fermented food. Um, and then there's some to the drinks of like kombucha, which has also become very mainstream. But be cautious because much of the kombucha you're purchasing in the stores pasteurized, which means you lose the benefit that the kombucha has. So you really want to make your own. There's also a watermark here, which is also. Uh, a fermented uh, drink that is popular in a lot of traditional cultures. Um, there are others like the Icavas and chicha in Honduras, the Latin American countries, they actually ferment pineapple juice and they get the benefits of probiotics to that drink. A medicinal dose consists four ounces, so you don't need to drink a ton for the health benefit. Four ounces would be considered the, the medicinal dose um, of that drink. The fourth item that uh, Dr. Price noted of the traditional people groups is they properly prepare seeds, nuts, and grains. It's no, um, you probably don't know anybody, or you probably know somebody, rather, that has a gluten allergy or a celiac disease. They can't eat gluten. Well, in traditional uh, groups, they would actually prepare grains in a way that they either soak them, sprout them, or fermented them. And this process that they would take those grains, seeds, are nuts through actually uh, decreases the. Anti nutrients in the food, so things like phytic acid or it's different enzyme in inhibitors in those items to make it more digestible. So, there are a lot of people who could eat a sourdough bread that's properly fermented because it breaks the gluten down in the bread and makes it more easily digestible for someone who would normally to just uh strawberry bread. So, uh, learning how to prepare. And grains, easy for you may maybe choosing not to eat those if your body doesn't react all to those would be something important as far as health goes. Now, fat have been denized. Everybody remembers the low fat craze, I guess that was the 80s and 90s. Margaret was her best friend. We now know that um, that is not true. Uh, saturated fats are very important. It's something that Dr. Price found in every traditional people groups that fats are highly pies, and especially pregnant women and children, were often given the first priority to access those fats. So, good saturated fats would be um, the newer fluid like olive oil, coconut oil. But my favorites are actually lard and tallow from pastured animals. Most people don't know that the prized component of olive oil is called oleic acid, but pastured lard contains 85% of oleic acid. So. And if also, one tablespoon of lard contains roughly a thousand IUs of vitamin D. So, if the pegs are raised properly, if they're in the sunshine, having exercise, that is the lard of the fat from a pastured pig is probably one of the most nutrient dense foods you can get in that one tablespoon. So, don't live like good quality saturated fats. Um, the other thing that he noticed uh, of traditional people here is so they ate a lot more sea animals than we do. And, and what we know now about that is that the omega-3s in sea animals uh, is much more available, for omega-3 fatty acids are much more available in sea animals than land animals. And because the American diet is so high in industrial sequels, which are high in omega-6s, our, the average American diet contains a 20 to 1 ratio of omega-6s to omega-3s. Whereas the traditional people groups had a one to one ratio. So, one way that the Westgate Price recommends increasing your, and they can passes, would be to take liver oil. Your great grandparents probably did this, they took a tablespoon a day. Um, there are great products available today, also uh, similar cod liver oils, that you can also uh, take in order to balance out those other ingredients if you can't have seafood for some reason or it's not accessible or home. Traditional people groups also use salt liberally. Salt has been demonized for decades, and uh, certainly the iodized salt that you buy in the store is really not great for you. But sea salt contains a wealth of minerals. Uh, Traditional people groups use sea salt very liberally, they they use it a lot in curing foods, particularly, and that was a a big way that they consumed meats when they were able to harvest them at that time. So don't be afraid of salt, despite what you have been told by the mainstream media. And the last and the second most important thing to me is to start early. So if you're pregnant or thinking about getting pregnant, this is the time you want to focus on your nutrient-dense foods. The babies we know can smell and taste what you're eating. So it's important to get those foods in as as a mama, or soon to be mama, or future mama, and then uh, to start your case early at a young age. Going uh, to enjoy those nutrient foods. One of the mistakes we made with our first child was we allowed her to have cookies and rice and grains early on, and we realized she would literally not eat anything else. So, with the second child, we would curl all grains until she became really uh, a fan of eating her meat and veggies and then really we introduced grains. We've done that with each of our successful children, a greater success with um, having our kids eat a wide variety of their diet not having any years so that was probably one of the, uh, the biggest things that i've learned rearing my young children okay so that's a lot of tips in the short period of time. there's so much more to learn about that so i invite you to join the west bay price foundation uh the, the annual version is four dollars a year you can go to westbayandprice.org and their website the podcast there is a ton of resources and information to learn about um, all these things to continue the journey with. What I want to share with you next is just some tips on how to practically implement some of these things. Um, the first thing you can do is um, select where shop. If you shop directly with farmers, you're going to avoid obviously processed foods and industrial seed oils and things that are not great for you anyway. Uh, farmers markets include codes like the Bora, uh, as Azure Standard, you can buy a lot of things that uh, are going to fit into the Western price model. And several folks have already mentioned that certainly growing your own food is a great way to have control over what goes into your body. Um, not everyone can have a cow or maybe even chickens right now, but you can start growing some herbs or some tomatoes and lettuce and, and, and get yourself there. Um, one of my favorite new ways that I'd like to see uh, people grow more into is creating with CSAs. Um, everyone has probably a little patch of dirt you can start with. You can probably have some friends or neighbors that are interested in doing this, doing this as well. It's very difficult for one family or person to grow enough variety for your entire family because you'd probably find 10 friends or your neighborhood willing to grow one or two things well and you can exchange that so you can create a neighborhood CSA just right around you so that when it comes to needing to be self reliant you don't have to go drive somewhere to pick that food up and just go to your neighbor and exchange food or have a central meeting spot we're as well. Um, your, as far as the food choices go, changing your food choices, um, again doing that with local farms uh, in vendors, you will have a lot more control over what is going into your body as far as learning to just quote-unquote shop for perimeter: meats, dairy, veggies the kind of foods that, that you want to put into your body. Um, but when you can't make all these choices right away, I always just encourage you to start by trying to move away from buying these of labels. Um, the less ingredients they have, if they don't have a label, that's great. Celery, if it doesn't have a label, it's just celery. Um, those are the kind of foods you want to gear yourself towards. Um, and uh, shop the printer. printer you do have to go to the grocery store, but I'm also a big fan of the 8020 rule, it can be very really overwhelming to think, well, oh, I have to do all these things perfectly in order to get health, and that's not true. Um, we do live in this real world, and there is a lot of enjoyment in having a community of with friends, and going to dinner, or going to a birthday party, so we follow the 8020 rule, which actually looks more like 90-10 in our house, but we do eat well, um, and so that we can eat without guilt with our friends or family or out to eat and that sort of thing but we do make very important choices and have sort of food priority plus a we spin or food budget dollars based on how it impacts our health and then um the last thing is uh you might be asking how do i learn all these things and i think um my favorite resource is the Inertia Foods Cookbook. It's a book written by Salon Helm, who's the current executive director of Weston Pay Price. The first 80 pages is probably some of the most amazing information you'll ever get on why you, you, you want to make these food changes and maybe some of the lies like that have been told over the years. But then the rest is a cookbook um, that will tell you how to make these of foods um, and just other great recipes that would gear you towards being um, uh, a West Pay Price diet. Um, when I first moved here, I, um, I had a lot of time when I spent in New so I spent a lot of time teaching myself how to cook. Um, it was a little more difficult back then, I feel like, than it would be today, but it's never too late to start learning how to cook. Um, I remember my husband telling me that his mother would never, in a million years, have cooked potatoes out of the box, but then the first time I went to her house, she had potato flakes out of the box. <laughs> and he said, he was so embarrassed, he said, that would never happen when you we were growing up. Just, it's just going never, never happen. And um, I worried that maybe he didn't have like good skills to provide for himself as far as cooking food. So we really got to make sure we know how to do this and teach our kids that. So um, I really think that if you can um, make, teach, if you, if you don't have a book, with for Children it's a great way to start out habit early. Um, I do have, there's a great class by um, Kitchen Stewardship called Real, uh, Real, Real, Kids cook real food. And it's a class that, that is already for ages 4 and 18. You'll literally be giving your kids the gift that cooking they can feed themselves forever. And it's very simple. Um, cooking can start out at a young age. You can know, be as simple as ants on a lot, But you'll be amazed when your four or five year old can go feed themselves by making a healthy, nutritious snack and it will just relieve you of just that little bit of time and as they grow older, they'll gain more skills in this program. They're offering a $25 discount for VIP access. It's lifetime membership through Kitchen Services Program. You can access it by the character or go to kidsfootthrownfood.com. And that is available to you as well. Okay, so um, while what you put into your mouth is really important, uh, there's a lot more that goes into the health. Than um, what we eat, so I want to just um, shift a little bit into kind of my health journey and how I left the tyranny of the current conventional medical paradigm. Um, but think about how you feed your heart, what you feed your mind, what you feed your soul. I know many people who have lots of health issues, and when they leave a stressful job a lot of times their health issues disappear. So health can be related to much more than what you put into your body. There's a lot of other factors and things that um, that can contribute to that. So while good food is important, there's no amount of good food that you can eat that is going to let you overcome lack of sleep, lack of movement, toxic air, toxic water, other stressors that just come with life and for being human. So. Evaluate these other areas of your life as you're thinking about, I want to become more healthier, and think about there's another avenue within these areas that you can make changes to that might bring you more immediate benefits. All right, so, uh, as Kim mentioned, emergency medicine absolutely saves lives. Um, however, uh, most people that go to the doctor don't usually go for emergency medicine. And um, I'm going to tell you a little bit about my journey to sort of that. I'm 45 years old, and I haven't been to a doctor in almost 25 years except for my initial pregnancy. When I thought I I got was pregnant, my body needed to go to the hospital or to a doctor um, in a human sinusitis episode. And they thought it was a human um that created a... A visit to the doctor, and then a physical that I had to have in order to adopt a kid. And I want to encourage you to also think about like Kim said, do you really need a doctor? Um, your willingness to step outside of the medical paradigm could very will save your life. Most people realize this over the last three years of COVID. Um, I was very sick, um, with probably what would have been diagnosed diagnosis COVID about a year and a half ago, I didn't go to the doctor. I, to, I said I was looking at die. I was going right here in my bed, not inside the hospital, I hooked up to a bed And um while well, I made mean, peace with God that uh, that the, the last night of the, the three weeks I was sick, um I wouldn't change anything different. Um, I, I simply I shared with you what I did, and um, just trusting that the body was wonderfully and perfectly designed, and that we are always actually working towards balance and homeostasis and restoration. Um, the problem with uh, non-harmic medicine is often it creates a lifelong customer, and uh, it never gets to a root cause. So. Uh the real turn for me began after I moved to Chattanooga. I I found myself pregnant two months after I moved here and I really wanted homework because I always spent time researching birth and I thought this sounds so amazing and it sounds like the way God designed women that have babies, they should be able to squat, pop a baby out and rice field and um, get back to life. Um, But my husband really wasn't so excited about that So anyways, about I was 23 weeks pregnant and I found myself in all four. All fours in the snow outside, having severe pain in my right side. Um, as was ever, I, I was walking two dogs too. So I called back to my uh, apartment at the time. Called my bedroom, and she said, "I think you're having acute appendicitis. You need to get to the ER." So to the ER, and um, they could not find anything in the ultrasound to, to, to be definitive about the appendicitis. And so they said, "We need to do a tax my husband happens to be a subject matter expert in the field of radiation. So he asked, what amount of radiation would my unborn child be exposed to? And the said, don't worry, we can solve some time first one. And he said, well, we'll wait right here for the answer." So it took him about 40 minutes to get the answer when he came back, and I told him what it was. I don't remember the now. But my husband said, if I were exposed to that amount of radiation in one year, over an entire year, the NRC would be at my plant saying it was a big problem. I cannot allow you to do this, it's not going child. Immediately we knew that having a baby in a hospital is not going to work for us. Thankfully, the surgeon wasn't that like happy. I was able to be in the hospital the next day without any further interventions. And he said, go find your midwife, go have your home birth, um, if you can find someone that will be willing to transfer your care. So I did. Um, and I ended up, my four girls that I have, we have, of course, all of them. And through that process, I came to know myself, and the human body is this amazing machine capable way more than what uh, it ever it would ever let me want. So, uh, did I? These are, these are just some pictures of my um, four babies, being born um, and very peaceful, loving environment um, without any medical interventions. Um, so, uh, during that time period. I really went on this journey to understand what are my other options other than conventional medicine because there were times where we did it. And I was exposed to three different things that I still to this day really enjoy. Acupuncture was my favorite um, during my pregnancies. For some reason, acupuncture just it was just felt right when I was pregnant. Um, there were many times when I went to my so for things I knew I could take medicine for, like a uh, sinus pressure or sinus pain. I had to put one needle that took my medicine because I had her experience. I um, mean she did it several times. She attended all my home births. One of them was stalled after 12 hours of labor. She showed up within 30 minutes I had that baby. So I can't go into really what acupuncture is, but just know this is is an alternative form of medicine. It's actually been around for thousands of years. Um, While you can always have a bright practitioner in any other form of medicine um, looking for a good one and and just not giving up, you can find a bad one. uh, It can be another step outside of the medical um, paradigm. uh, the second thing that I really loved getting to learn about was just herbal stuff. And I started with things that were just in my kitchen pantry. Um, and it really was as easy as Googling herbal remedy for cough or sore throat of or whatever your ailment is. It, it didn't matter what it was. Um, and then I would say, oh, well, I have lemon juice or I have honey or I have thyme, which is great to make a tea. You probably have thyme in your kitchen pantry just to tease some of that. Make some tea and drink that. And I can help with coughs. Uh, I really believe that we're provided everything that we need, uh, essentially in the ground, and um, we can look for those resources. This is also a medicine I would consider to have been around for thousands of years in American Indians, traditional Chinese medicine, tons of other traditional cultures have always looked to herbal remedies for things. And um, we can really expand that out to um, there's, pro- there's probably not a single plant out there. Uh, that doesn't offer some medicinal purpose and it's just a matter of what that is. My favorite um lead is plantain, and mention, we make a boobs we hog every year with a corn and a variety of other herbs that we I literally make a supply, <laughs> and my kids carry it with them everywhere. And every time somebody gets a cut, a burn, a sting, they're offering it to all their friends, and it's and their friends are even amazed how much better it might or cut or whatever feels after they put this magical neosporin on it that came from this weed that everyone hates um, in their yard. And the last uh, form of alternative. Um, medicine would be homeopathy. Um, a lot of people confuse homeopathy with pathic. I've heard people say, "Oh, my doctor's homeopathic," and that's probably not true if they're not practicing solely homeopathy. But I just want to give you a couple of examples of homeopathy that I'm going into what it Is uh, you may be familiar with the little blue bottles by Boiron. They have little Latin names on them, and um, it's a great f- field of alternative. Um, really be seen as some um, alternative ways to look at uh, approach your health, um, especially for acute issues. So, with, like Brad talked a lot about how we do in these um, emergent situations or if we get hurt, um, how many can address a lot of these things at home? So if you get bit by a bee and you're having swelling with heat um, and redness, the homeopathic remedy that would be apples, but it's actually made from a yeast it would take the propeller of that and it would actually create the opposite effect. Because it's diluted, it's really called frequency medicine, but it's diluted in such a way that what you're obtaining is the energetic property of that eastern and it creates the opposite effect in your body where it would actually take away that swelling. There's also another remedy called that's made from a blister beetle. So if you were to get close to the blister beetle and it um, burns you, it would it would look like a sunburn. So if you get a sunburn, you could take capars. It would actually make your sunburn feel better and dissipate much quicker. So those are just two examples of uh, ways I use homeopathy personally. Um, there's a wealth of information out there that's waiting to be discovered, and, um, and it's and very very natural. Mode, we're looking for sources outside of the medical paradigm. Okay, so a couple resources I want to mention can, that, <laughs> that, how you can learn stuff. I mentioned the Nourish and days Cookbook, the Weston A. Price uh, website. There's also great books like How to Help a Healthy Child Despite Your Doctor. If I could give every new parent this book, this is probably the only medical book that you need just to remind you that you don't need to see the doctor or pediatrician. 90% of the time and you'll know what you're Online classes galore. Uh, again, when I was running this stuff 15 years ago, the internet was there but it just, we just didn't have all the people like we do today to offer the blogs, podcasts, uh, the Wise Tradition podcast is an excellent resource. There, um uh, my favorite home class is actually a homeschool curriculum. Uh, I taught it uh, during COVID actually. It's been in um, it's by Paloa Brown. It's called Health and Homeopathy. Teaching Health Teach Homeopathy. And so if you're if, if you in a homeschool format, school, this might be a class on curriculum you can pick up and just learn it yourself. It's designed for kids, but I actually believe it's great for an adult who's wanting to learn something new. And my other favorite resource for learning is teaching practitioners. Um, my acupuncturist homeopathy, uh, homeopath, and um, the, a lot of the herbal, um, herbalists that I, took that I met along the way that, we, that were willing to teach as, as I learned were probably my favorite resources of learning um, better than reading these podcasts or So always look for a teaching practitioner. In-person classes, language here. I didn't know a thing about all this stuff. I just met six women who were kind of dabbling in it, so we got together. Um, we actually ended up buying a house, splitting it, how many ways. We um, would go, and the closest milk that we even brought up the at the time is an hour away, so we had six families together. We each took turns once every six weeks, making an hour drive to go get milk, and then coming back to a location. We also got together with that nurse Nutrition's Cookbook, and we just went through it together and learned how to do it together. So. Uh, you can really just do this in your own home, you don't have to do it by yourself. If you're if you're self-starter, that's great, but get a couple friends, um, with you that you should learn, or, or invite anybody to learn, and you can make it fun, and teach yourself. Uh, we do both meetings occasionally, um, we are planning to do a fermentation class. It's supposed to be next week, at the church is still out, um, but I that on the location before it's too hot, we'll, we'll do it before the summer starts. Um, but if you join today, Price um, as, a, as a member, you'll get the emails from the foundation on the host of events. Um, but I encourage you to just create opportunities among yourself as well to, to learn. Um, okay, so our journey, as I said, has kind of shifted. And what I want to ask you is what if health freedom was the absolute certainty that the body is a self healing, self maintaining organism that is not vulnerable to the bends of a microscopic particle? What if healthcare was knowing that physical symptoms are not random, but rather perfectly orchestrated biological programs intended to help the body survive a shocking situation? There is uh, a wonderful doctor, which is really kind of awesome. <laughs> uh, but he's actually a nurse of the Dr. David he wrote a book called Brain Matters. And um, I love what he said. He recognized in his practice over time that um, emotions do affect nervous system. That happiness heals like a medicine, and that bitterness kills like a disease. He began praying with his patients and asking them for any bitterness people they want to before he did this neuro, uh, surgery, whatever they required. And he was amazed at watching how much uh, the person's health changed. A lot of them should get the surgery right away. And, it's something that's scheduled down the road. Very health would change, it would be problem people would um, when they came back from the surgery they would say, I don't have the steck paints gone now, I don't have this problem. And so he found that releasing bitterness can help many um, underlying causes of disease more than they can pill or surgery So um, I can't I, I this is this uh, this particular form of Thought about how it's so deep, it's getting hard to go into a short period of time. or cut for a short time, so what I want to shift to is just if you could wrap your mind around that because uh, I believe we are spiritual beings having a physical experience and that. We, I believe that we're also mind, body, and spirit. While we experience physical symptoms, the healing comes in the emotional, and spiritual part of us, the a piece of us that's internal. And that we can look a little deeper into what those issues might be, that a lot of times looking at health or our symptoms as not being sickness, but actually being a healing response to something that we've been through, will change the way we view um, sickness and how we treat it. So. Um, when that was meant for us. When I was sick with what I presumably COVID, I was in bed for three weeks. I probably lost 10 pounds. I didn't have 10 pounds to lose. I was very sick, could not eat anything. But because I believe in the body, well, first I believe that I, was, like, I would die if I got in the hospital, so I wasn't even in bed if that was if that was going uh, to be a result. But um, I believe that my shift in changing my paradigm um, of health and recognizing that the body is actually doing exactly what it's supposed to do when it's sick. Um, it forces us to rest. Sometimes it forces us not to eat because it needs that break from from doing all the work of digestion. And that, times all we need to do is give it the time and patience to do its work. So, um, taking a downtime for your body, as it asks for it, and just responding to that, it, it often tells you what you need. Um, but actually, giving it what it needs. And when I was growing up, my mom a chicken noodle soup and you just like that, and if you're lucky, but possible. And with enough time, you got better. Um, we had medical insurance for in the Army, my father was a better uh, um, military, and um, we couldn't to the doctor, but I'm so thankful that my mom just could, know, just got stuck out in the way that we're gonna be better um, in current pace. And I think a lot of times our desire to not feel pain or desire to get back to work, um, we actually lose the opportunity for our body to heal fully and properly. And other times I think it might be, this might be one of the reasons why we experience chronic uh, illnesses, because we don't give our bodies that full opportunity to heal. So this also means for my family that we don't see symptoms, we don't take drugs, we don't, take medicines. Um, we don't do anything to stop the symptoms that we experience because we believe the body is expressing those four for a purpose. So what we do do, though, is we nourish our bodies during that time. We eat a good food if we're hungry, bone broth, um, rest, uh, whatever fluids, like I say. Sometimes people create a aid when they're sick or, um, things We try to respond, um, to the body and what it's asking for um, and then uh, you know, an important sleep of course is a part of that rest but um also looking a little deeper into the spiritual aspects so you know what what have we gone through? what what is is there any bitterness or unforgiveness that is residing a little deeper that we to this is part of um part of healing so uh, i just would urge you to consider that sometimes all we need is time and love to uh, replenish ourselves when we're sick, and then if you could just be kind to yourself and love your body and your soul to offer that, that I think you'll find most times you don't need to go to the doctor. Okay, so if I were to sum up all my health advice, so would eat more food, um, practice the H-lingual, Sally found talks about food insurance. Not everyone can implement all those diet recommendations quickly, but she said to do these two things, it covers a multitude of health And that is to drink raw milk and take chemical oil daily. So those are the two things I started with I couldn't do anything else. Um, and I, I used to wear glasses, but I fully believe that my taking chemical oil and drinking raw milk was part of that um, journey to restore my eyes to where I did not for wear glasses anymore. So that's another case study. Um, don't know what sleep, sleep so is so important, exercise, um, some daily movement, a lot of times which is too sedentary, but natural light is probably one of the most discounted, um, uh, health foods that you can, you can take. A lot of people don't realize the, the melatonin, is actually taken into the eyes to the sun. So a lot of people wear sunglasses, you're actually, uh, robbing your body of good sleep, um, uh, often by wearing the sunglasses because the melatonin comes through, come, the sunlight comes through your eyes and it helps produce melatonin, which helps you sleep well. And then also vitamin D is really important when people are taking vitamin pills. But it's actually a hormone. Uh, really not a big fan of supplements um, unnecessarily because you don't understand the, the, a lot of the cofactors that go into it. But uh, when you go to the sun, vitamin D is being made on top of your skin. What a lot of people don't realize is they don't come out of the or climbing or the whatever, they don't take a shower. That vitamin D that takes 8 to 24 hours to absorb it into your body. So you're just washing that vitamin D off the top of your skin. And they're taking lots of supplements to get that vitamin D back to your body. It's synthetic. So, doesn't um, mean you can't shower. Rinse off with some water, don't get to soak it off, you know, and give your body a chance to absorb that vitamin D into the skin. And then also take a look at your thoughts and where your uh, spirit is emotionally. I'm really, if carve up, there's some no unforgiveness and there it is that can let go, because I believe that does have a great impact on our health and our lives. Okay, so let's a little bit to kind of what's going Tennessee law. Um, we do enjoy some great freedoms in Tennessee. Um, I say that loosely because it's weird that we have the legislative freedoms, but the Constitution already says those things. but. Um, because we do have to fight other We want to make sure that we have good laws. Um, in Tennessee, uh, we do have a 1st law that was uh, helped brought to um, fruition by Senator and uh, my favorite senator. He's a farmer and strawberry <clears throat> prince. However, that law came under fire in 2016 when Senator Briggs and our own representative from St. Louis Mountain, Patsy Hazelwood, tried to repeal that law. So i tell you this, is that not everyone can have a cow. I do have chickens, or a reflector of things that we enjoy. So if you want to continue to get wrong milk, we do have to stay on top of what's going on in the legislature until you're able to be self-reliant and get that out. Um, we have to stay on top of um, these legislators that don't understand uh, that they don't have the right to tell us so what we put into our bodies. That we, can, we are able to make these choices for ourselves. So. Um Tennessee also enjoys uh, a lot of breakthroughs in cottage walls, farmers' markets and food clubs and the like. Um, but an interesting law that passed this last session that was very disappointing was hb 1077, which requires now pre-inspections and permits for some farmers market vendors who are samples. <clears throat> this is just one example of how they like to just continue to infringe on the things that we enjoy, and so we have to stay vigilant with what's going on. Um, And speak out about this. has just means contacting our legislators, particularly those in committee at the time, because we can't kill the bill in committee. Once it makes it to the floor, it's very difficult to kill at that point. There are two other bills that might interest you, not related to food freedom, but certainly freedom, um, that passed that was also very disappointing. HB 445 is basically allowing surveillance without asking for the Tennessee Department of Transportation's permission. Um, for anybody that knows anything about smart cities and what's going on, it's easy to think because we're trying to be self-aligned, we're looking up through, we're outside the city limits, that we are immune from that, but that's not true. The, the cameras in 27 are all the way past the city of Chattanooga. They're going all the way to 27. So don't care where you live. If we don't stay vigilant on what's going on, even the city of Chattanooga, as we are the test site for the world that smart city, um, it will be coming to your city wherever we are. And so it's important to stay on top of uh, what's going on at the state level? That's just one crazy example that I believe will affect us. Um, because we can't be reliant, self-reliant completely, whether that's having a cow or chickens, um, we do need to make sure that we're pushing back on the state and, during, and guarding our rights to be able to do what it is we want to do. Their, their job is not to protect us, their job is to allow us to go to streets possible, make the decisions for ourselves. But it requires people to be involved. Unfortunately, food and health is global. So, um, one of the fun things you can do right now is to get to you know your legislators before you meet them. Um, if you have been speaking bill more than once, they, they, my senator knows when I call and say, "This is Michelle Bordeaux," no, no. and he's a "I know a sickle know." So, they, he knows my name. He knows what I'm calling from, um, He knows I'm on top and watching what he does. Um, and, and they know that they're likely to be a bit more to when it comes to. Um, some of the concerns that we have. So um one of the things uh we do have um legislator lawmakers both at the, at the county I mean whether it's school board, city council, the, the county commission, for the school the federal legislature, um, they do have a problem recognizing what the Constitution says. They unfortunately don't quite have the in a while. Um, so it's important to Support the rewinding candidates, and that might be you. There might be somebody in this room that says, Yeah, uh, we're tired of seeing what they're doing there, and we do need to work from the inside out. So, I encourage you not to give up, but to get involved. I'm happy to talk to anyone who's interested in doing that. Um, okay. yeah. So, I've got a couple of things that I've got a class that we plan coming up again. If you join us, say price.org, it's $40 a year. Um, you'll get emails from the foundation about where your classes are. Um, and I would love to have you join us. And I'm just going to leave you with um, this last nugget, or uh, really a blessing, because I love it. I think some of my favorite people that I've met along this journey I been safe, I um, fits in fighting with them for the right? there's Thomas Massey, Captain Massey fits, and then this is Senator Harris, he's the best that in going for sure. But 1 um, John 3.2 says, I pray you enjoy good health, and that all may go a well with you, even as your soul is getting along well. So I hope we getting some sort of wrap rabbit hole we can go down after today. Continue.
0: Um, to... mm-hmm. And that was Michelle Renault again from AgoraFest 2023. That was the almost final episode of these AgoraFest presentations. This little interim break in the middle of season five of our foundations. If you're new to this show, this this is really not what this podcast is, but. There was a local festival with all of these talks that were very relevant, covered topics that are similar to things that have been covered on this show. Uh, I was involved with organizing that as well. And so I thought it was worthwhile and valuable to put out these presentations all in a row so that other people can get to hear them and learn from them. And so the next episode of this podcast will be the final presentation from Agorafest 2023. It will also cover some natural health-type topics. They will be, in general, all different than this episode, but just as interesting, maybe even slightly more, and another very good presenter with decent audio quality. Again, so that's wonderful. So that will be the next episode. I do want to say until then, thank you very much for listening and being a supporter of whatever kind you are, whether you're a listener, whether you've spread the word to other people you know, and you've left ratings, reviews, especially to those who have financially contributed through Patreon and who pay to run this show. So thank you very much. I really appreciate all your help, all your support. And until next time, I'm out. Peace.
1: This has been Our Foundations Podcast. Goodbye. Thank you for
0: listening. Goodbye. (laughs) Bye-bye.